strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I am really excited about where we are. We are at Media Row or Radio Row uh, here at the Super Bowl Experience at the Phoenix Convention Center. The buzz is amazing in this place. It is one of the coolest things, and I've gotten to do some pretty cool things in my career, but this is a cool experience. A lot of players and executives and people walking around the atmosphere, you can tell that this is a major event. Even if you weren't a sports fan, it was kind of cool to be around all of this. We're going to bring you as many guests as we can. We will be here with this show Monday and Friday, tomorrow and Thursday. It's Gatos and Chad in the afternoon, so keep it locked on KTAR News. We're going to get you all the best coverage that we possibly can. Um, I want to talk about immigration. Um, I want to talk about immigration for a moment. This is interesting. This is an NPR story. Uh, And the reason why I say where these stories are coming from, first of all, to give them some credit for the stories they write, but also so that you can in your mind know where the perspective is coming from. But it says, busing migrants was a partisan lightning rod. Here's why Democrats have embraced it. And on the picture of this story is uh, the cover of this story is a picture of our governor, Katie Hobbs. Um, uh, When Texas and Arizona's Republican governors began busing immigrants out of their states last year, they said it was a protest to Democrats' reckless federal immigration policies. Democrats criticized the tactic as dehumanizing, especially when migrants were misled in they were about where they were going. But some cities and states have led, Demo- led by Democrats later warmed to the practice, most recently Arizona's new governor, Katie Hobbs, said if we're spending money on <clears throat> to bus people, why, uh, why just not get them to their final destination? Um, for me, this is more about – it was about awareness and sending a message, and I didn't have a problem with any of that. Unless you've been to the border, even people that live in Arizona, we understand when you see people, whether they are – whatever the reasons are, how you see people that are in this country as immigrants, whether they are in this country legally, but especially if they're in the country illegally. Uh, when you see it, 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 you see it. But to go to the border where it's happening every day, all day, where systems are being overwhelmed, there was just a national story that was out yesterday that said that an Arizona border hospital is on the verge of financial collapse because they cannot, they aren't, they're not getting paid for the services. And as Americans, it's one of the things that I'm proud of. I don't know how if you're proud of it, but I'm proud of the fact that we have a standard. We have a humane standard of living in the United States that if you're in our country, legally, illegally, you're protected by our Constitution. We're not going to let you die in the street. We're going we're gonna to feed you. We're going to make sure you have the medical care you need. And I know there's a lot of people that disagree with that, but I think it's part of being an American. What we have to do is stop the flow. That will help solve the problem. But when you have issues like this happening, now you've got the mayor of New York City. This is interesting. Mayor Adams in New York City was calling out the administration, saying that what they were doing was wrong, that this was a federal issue, that it was bankrupting the city of New York. They are building shelters in those terminals. They are putting people up in hotels. They said they're going to do the best they can to care for people. Wanted to bust people out of the city of New York into upstate New York, and now, now, the mayor of New York is offering free bus tickets to people to go to Canada, to bus these people into Canada. So, now remember, when the Republican governor started doing this, it was inhumane, it was all of these other things. Well, you call it whatever you want, it's inhumane, but you found a nicer way of doing it. It's just impossible for the people to believe that. You are seeing firsthand, they are seeing firsthand how difficult it is for places on the border. So this, what bothers me about the, the
the conversation is this. I guarantee you that the people of Yuma, Arizona, and I'm going to use them just as an example. I guarantee you that the people of Yuma, Arizona are every bit as humane, every bit as benevolent, every bit as kind and sympathetic as they are anywhere in the city of New York. I don't care what their political designation is. These are kind people. There are people that understand that these are human beings, but they also understand that their systems are being bankrupted by what's happening and the federal government has turned a blind eye. The President of the United States has said that he supports the Vice President and that she's doing a good job on the border. Now, is he saying that because he has to say that or is he saying it because he believes it? Now, uh, either way, it's the wrong thing to say because it's absolutely not true. She has been absent and done nothing on the border. Nothing on the border. But you are seeing mayors like Mayor Adams in New York. You're seeing governors like our Governor Hobbs that are doing exactly what the Republicans were doing. They're just doing it in a nicer way. That's the politics of things, but it's still happening. We still have people crossing the border illegally. The way that this gets turned around is when these Democrats, who are also supportive of the president and most of his policies, they are the ones that are going to be campaigning for him if he runs for re-election. They are speaking out and saying, you've got to do something. Because, you know, this. I, I respect the governor. I'll be honest with you. I've been able to have a couple of conversations with her in interviews, and I respect her. And I don't agree with her politically, as I'm sure you're not shocked to find out. But the idea that I want to see Arizona fail, I don't. I don't want Arizona to fail. I don't want any of those things to happen. I want us to be immensely successful in every way. I don't want to see any of that happen. So if the, if the governor of Arizona now thinks that busing people to their final destination is helpful, um, why, why was it so, well, they were busing them to the wrong place? They, you didn't like busing at all. It was abuse. That's the problem. They were saying that it was taking advantage and it was using people. And No, it wasn't. What it did was it raised the awareness to get to the place we are right now. So we've gotten to the place we are right now, which is the American people are beginning to see in cities that only knew it anecdotally when they saw pictures on TV or pictures um, in print that they were seeing the plight of what was happening in these towns until it happens to their town, until it's Washington, D.C., until it is other places like that. When it is Washington, D.C., and Chicago, and New York, then they get the flavor. And I think the awareness that was raised was important. Coming up in a moment, uh, we're going to talk about um, violence and violent crime. Who is it a priority to? The numbers and the people, the demographics, will surprise you. All that's coming up in just a few moments. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time as we roll along. It's getting more and more packed here in the room at Radio Row. It is an exciting time to be in Arizona with so much going on. We not only do we have um, the Super Bowl going on, which doesn't happen all the time here, not very often. We also have going on here the WM Phoenix Open. We just finished with the car auctions. Uh, it feels like the entire country, and on Sunday, the entire world will be watching the Valley, which is something that I find to be is so exciting and so incredible. Incredibly amazing. So um, uh, let's talk about something a, a bit different. A crime and punishment is something that um, I talk about very often because, just like you, here we are. So let's let's set the stage for where we are right now. Uh, we are in 
downtown Phoenix. This is ground zero, so to speak, for all of the things that are happening in the sports world. This NFL, the Super Bowl, with next to World Cup, <clears throat> is, is just one of the biggest sporting events the world ever sees. Uh, the WM Phoenix Open, again, it is such an amazing thing. And security is something that's necessary, policing in a safe city. So we want to show off the great weather, and we are. We're showing off the great weather in Arizona. We're showing off all the things that we love it here for to people that aren't here very often. Now imagine if we don't have the men and women that are necessary to keep it safe. On my way in this morning, I was talking with a Phoenix cop who was sitting outside as I've been walking around this morning, and we've been kind of celebrity watching and looking for people we recognize. I'm watching Phoenix police in uniform walk around to make sure that everybody's safe. And, and I look at that, and I think that's so necessary, and it's something that they kind of blend in. They don't ask for anything special. But I want you to hear some statistics, and this may surprise you, and it surprised me a little bit. Um, speaking of partisan politics, and that's the only reason I'm doing this because the story said this, black Democrats are twice as likely as white Democrats to view crime reduction as a top priority. Among black Democrats, 66% held reducing crime as a top priority compared to 33% of white Americans and 63% of Hispanic respondents, according to the poll. Now, I think it's because the Black Lives Matter movement was synonymous with defunding the police, that we assume that assumptions are made because that's the mantra in the media, <clears throat> that that is the feeling in every community. And I will tell you it isn't. Policing is not something that is a partisan political issue. It's like being in the military. There are so many people that have been in the military that are Democrats. There are so many of them that are Republicans or independents or many of them apolitical. The fact of the matter is when you're in a foxhole, and I'll use an NFL analogy as well, um, when you're in a locker room, you want to rely on, you need to rely on someone, and everything is transcended except the mission in front of you. Um, in combat, it isn't Republicans and Democrats. I guarantee you that it's not. And when it comes to policing, on the police force, officers are not dealing with each other's political leanings when it comes to protecting the public and protecting each other. They're counting on each other. And when it comes to the community, the community looks at how things are done, and we don't care. I, I guarantee you this. I've had some pretty severe injuries in my life, car crashes and, and rodeo wrecks and other things where I've had to have medical treatment. I never once in my mind thought, I wonder if this doctor or this paramedic or this nurse or whoever this EMT, whoever it was that was uh, helping me, I never once wondered what their political affiliation was. Never once. Never once. When I was, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, hypertension and was in the emergency room with a bloody nose, I couldn't stop for three and a half days. Um, I didn't care. I don't even look back. They were just kind and good at what they did and so helpful. And that's all that mattered to me was getting the medical care I needed and working together and watching them work as a team and seeing people watching the police train, watching how they work, work as a team. The politics is transcended. And as a community, I would say to you, we all want the same things. All this is proving it to us is that when you look at people, it's not your political leanings. It certainly isn't the color of your skin. It is about what human nature says to us. Human nature is we want to be safe. If we believe in a system of law and order, 
where we call and we make sure that the um, uh, when we call 911 somebody shows up and we let them handle it then we got to make sure it gets handled um, a lot of these headlines New Orleans residents concerned as crime crisis creates a fear factor in their city um, police review board says violence during protest shows lack of training which again my defund the police argument is this that if you don't have enough police officers they don't have time to train and we need to make sure they're well trained and we can go after guns we can talk about gun control we can do this until we're blue in the face you are not going to change human nature you are not going to change the fact that here we are at the Super Bowl this week I am in the middle of a ballroom at the Phoenix Convention Center and everybody here is kind of mesmerized by doing their job but captivated by the idea that all eyes in the world I shouldn't say all eyes but millions of eyes from around the world will be right here on us coming up in the next few days and what a great experience is going to be monetarily what it's going to do for promotion of how beautiful the valley is all of these things are true businesses are full there is an element of our society that sees this as an opportunity to prey upon other people and that's what they see and we have men and women from the FBI here and federal agents with different of those three-letter agencies. And we have men and women with the state police, with the local Phoenix police and other valley cities that are coming down and descending on Glendale and Scottsdale and Phoenix to make sure it's safe. And we also have people from the sheriff's department. And their job is to make sure that they stand in the gap so that when predators try to prey upon normal citizens, they step in and make sure that those people survive and thrive and the criminals are put away. And if we don't have that, the society that we turn into is horrifying. At least it is to me. It would be horrifying to live in a society. I am prepared, as prepared as I think I can be at my age, to defend myself if necessary. And I will always do it if necessary, but only if necessary. I live in a law and order society. I would rather have a police department that is preventing the majority of crime because it's big enough, it's well-trained and well-equipped enough that they can be out there proactively policing. And when they have to react to crimes in progress, they're handling it, and I feel safe in my city. That And that transcends my political party, that transcends the color of my skin, my gender, all of it. What we're going to do coming up in just a few moments is uh, we're going to talk more about what's happening here on Radio Row, kind of fill you in on what's happening here and what the Super Bowl means to this community. All of it's coming up next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. In downtown Phoenix at the Phoenix Convention Center, and we are joined right now by Bree Kratzert, Vice President of Business Development for the Wounded Warrior Project. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, just obviously talked to one of your warriors just a little while ago, Mike, yeah. and it's such an inspirational story. Um, can you first tell me how? how you got involved with the Wounded Warrior Project. Sure. So I have a deep respect for our military, the men and women that serve, and also their families. Um, I was working in sports, and I met a warrior named Dan Nevin.
Wiggins, and he is a double amputee below the knee, and he had moved over to Wounded Warrior Project, and from that moment on, I just knew that I needed to get a job uh, with Wounded Warrior Project. It is such an amazing organization, and I asked Mike this earlier. I'm going to ask you the same thing. Is I don't think people understand the depth and the width of what you do as an organization. Can you sum up some of the things that you offer for these wounded warriors? Absolutely. Um, and I'm so glad you had a chance to speak with Mike earlier. He's, he was something else. He's amazing. So many stories of resilience from so many warriors and so many family members. Um, so we provide free programs and services to warriors and their family members across the U.S. as well as in Germany. And our programs range from mental health, uh, financial health and wellness, physical health and wellness, connection. Uh, so we really take that comprehensive approach to make sure that we're meeting them where they are in their journey to recovery. I love the veteran-to-veteran connection with your organization as well. Um, as a matter of fact, I almost wore the shirt today. Someone just sent to me a shirt about the 22 veterans a day that commit suicide on average. We did a thing here called the 22 for 22 that we do every year to raise awareness. And as a civilian myself, not someone that's never suffered anything like that, um, there's a connection in that community that understands immediately when they see someone or talk with someone in a dark place that they're able to connect there. Um, that service you provide is about as invaluable as anything I can think of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a very strong focus um, on suicide prevention. Not only uh, do we have teams that work on that, but we also work with some of our corporate partners because, as you know, this is not just isolated to warriors or veterans, uh, but this is something that we're seeing more prevalent across society. When you think about that, though, it's more what I love about the organization from what I know of what you've done, and I've been involved here with the organization in Arizona, is it doesn't stop at prevention of the bad. It's promotion of the good. And the things that they are accomplishing in their lives that you assist in are what I love most, those happy stories. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think our logo depicts it best. So you see one warrior carrying another. It's the fireman's carry. And so a lot of times we, Wounded Warrior Project, and the supporters that we work with and other warriors are that warrior on the bottom carrying a warrior family member. And we want them to transition to the one carrying someone else. So it is that story of resilience, positivity, and really, um, you know, taking that next step. When you talk with a veteran that is in a good place, they will often tell you it was a veteran that helped them get out of a bad place. So they were the veteran that was being carried. And then they love being the vet veteran that, like, gets to help carry someone now. How did, you, how did you promote that concept? How is that part of the model of what you do and everything you do? You know what? It's um, I think it's just ingrained in veterans and warriors. It's not something that we necessarily had to promote, but they knew that they could reach out to WWP, as we call ourselves right. internally, um, and fellow veterans to get help. And we actually have a very large percentage of our workforce, uh, those that have served or have a very strong connection to the military, of course, um, but they've been impacted. And so they just know that the next step and part of their mission is to help another warrior because they see the positivity in their life. When um, when I started to speak out on behalf of veterans, when I lost my brother back in 03, uh, I thought I was going to tell this heroic story, which it is, about mm -hmm. my brother, but I thought it was unique. One of the things I learned as a civilian going into that world is it happens every day that these are heroic individuals that come home and they don't ask for anything extra, they don't expect to be treated differently, and they keep these heroic stories to themselves. Mm -hmm. Did 
you learn the same thing when you got with Wounded Warrior Project uh, of the amazing stories of heroism and perseverance in your organization? Absolutely. So I've been fortunate enough to work with Wounded Warrior Project for over 12 years. And I can say every single day, I'm still hearing stories of teammates that served. But again, as you said, they're the unsung heroes. They don't come home and, uh, you know, ask for anything. And, you know, a simple thank you goes a really long way. But the more you learn and the more you understand what they've gone through and what they've sacrificed and what their families have sacrificed, the appreciation just continues to grow deeper and deeper. Is there an area of work in your organization that you're most proud of or that you're most drawn to? I'm extremely proud of the work that we do around mental health. We have a number of programs, uh, whether it's peer support groups or uh, we have a Project Odyssey, which uh, takes warriors out in nature and really gets that camaraderie to uh, a more intensive program. And I think the focus there and just not being afraid to talk about it is something that I'm really proud of and uh, really proud of Wounded Warrior Project for taking a lead there. Um, I want to give you the opportunity I gave Mike, which is um, if people want to learn more about the organization, whether it's for them or for a friend or a family member or to be involved as a donor or a volunteer, how do they find you? Sure. So whether it's a warrior or supporter, they can go to woundedwarriorproject.org and you can find all of the information there. And you can also easily contact us on any of our uh, social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All right. Last question. I said this is uh, this is vanity. You know, okay. How are we doing as, 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 as a state? Now, you come from a warm weather state, so yeah. it may not be the weather. But what do you think? How are we doing at hosting the Super Bowl so far? I think Phoenix and Arizona is not going to add to the park. I mean, you all have so many events taking place this weekend, and I can tell you it has been seamless, and the weather is perfect. So for everybody coming in, you're getting some Chamber of Commerce weather here. Well, it's funny for, for some of you, you don't know this, but for someone from Jacksonville to talk about our perfect weather, you know, Jacksonville's a pretty great place as well. It's amazing, and we're lucky to be headquartered there, but we're fortunate to have an office here, but uh, I think it's nice to have a little less humidity. Yeah, you know, Oh, that's the thing. When I moved from Southwest Florida, that's the one thing that surprised me is how much that lack of humidity makes a difference. Yeah, it's been fantastic, and everyone has been so kind and really embraced uh, the Warriors that we have with us. And I can tell you, there's some Warriors going to the Super Bowl, and I know that day is going to be very special for them. That's awesome. So, Bree, thank you so much for stopping by and all the work you do. Please thank the people at Wounded Warrior Project because they affect so many lives here in Arizona as well. Well, thank you, and thank you for your, uh, the service with your family. All right, uh, so that's Bree. She is with the Wounded Warrior Project. Project. We'll be back here in just a moment. And uh, when we get back, we're going to do, uh, we're going to talk about some more news stuff. Was the most important thing or dangerous thing that happened a Chinese balloon? We'll get to that in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time in another conversation with Wounded Warrior Project with one of their VPs. I think it's an important enough message them working with the NFL exposure on on you know mental health and the the amazing work that they do at the Wounded Warrior Project. So I, I just think it's a great organization. Um, I want to talk about this this story about the spy balloon. I've got a couple of questions, and I don't want to talk too loud because I'm going to make people angry just very close to where we're sitting. But I do find it interesting. And I'm not diminishing the importance of what happened, and I think that it was a, it certainly was provocation by the Chinese. There's no doubt in my mind that that's the truth. Um, but my problem is this. TikTok 
If you want to talk about surveillance, so we're right by, we are right by the tick. I mean, I'm watching how loud I talk because they may have microphones pointed in this direction. But look at how many governments, how many state governments and, and others, local governments are, are saying we can't have that. You can't have that app on a government-owned phone because of the surveillance that they are doing on the American people. Is that one of the biggest things? There's another story here. Now, I will say the U.S. military needs to do its job. When that thing should have been shot down, we really need to make sure that we know um, that we know what's happening in our skies, that we are, we are not allowing people to get sensitive information. I agree with all of that. But I'm pointing out a couple of other things that may not be as um, – uh, as, as as sexy in the sense of the, it, it's just captivating the news cycle. The TikTok thing, I don't have TikTok, but it isn't because of China. It's because I'm old. But if we're going to talk about Chinese surveillance, people are warning that this is a surveillance tool that's being used by the Chinese government. Here's another one. How much farmland is owned? Here's how much U.S. farmland has bought up by China. Ownership of U.S. farmland by Chinese nationals has risen significantly in the last decade, amounting to 338,000 acres as of 2020. Since 2010, Chinese nationals have reportedly purchased an additional 75,000 acres of U.S. farmland, according to the U.S. Agriculture Department. Although uh, amounting to less than 1% of all U.S. agricultural land held by foreign citizens, ownership of U.S. farmland by Chinese nationals has received increased scrutiny in recent years following warnings from the U.S. government officials claiming the Chinese government may seek to use the land for military and espionage purposes. So this is one of those questions that we should be looking at. And, I, I you know, they are, are – I would not say – I wouldn't call them the threat um, that we see from from Iran. It's different. The Iranians have a different set of – are a different kind of threat for us. But the issue we do have to worry about is we – this is a major economic enemy to the U.S. or adversary at the very least, if enemy is too strong of a word. These are – this is a major adversary in the world economic front. They have negotiated with the Saudis as far as money goes to use their currency instead of ours in trading for oil. The idea of the petrodollar, as it's been called, where we had a handshake agreement when we went to a fiat currency in the 70s. Um, this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is how gold. This is how um, oil is traded. And um, to lose that power of the U.S. dollar would be a significant blow possibly to the American economy. Um, what I'm saying is we would like to see them. We would like to make sure that we remain the world leader in the economy and we work as hard as we can to do that. There's no doubt about it. And the Chinese, if they are trying to undermine in any way the American government, are they living by the same rules that we are living by? Are the rules that we have to live by in their country the same as the world, uh, the, the, uh, what they have to live by in our country? And that's a big question about it. If they are, um, if they are uh, using our farmland, is it and they're using it for espionage, are we going to push them out of our country? Are we going to be pushed around? That was the question about this Chinese balloon, is how long we let it sail over the United States, the continental United States. It's hard to grasp in my mind, and I don't know the answer. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a fair thing to say I might be wrong. Um, but 
how in the world could there not have been a place to safely shoot that down before it crossed over the entire continent, across the entire continental uh, United States? I mean, that's a great question, don't you think? That there had to be a safe place to shoot this down before it got over the water. Or maybe they were doing intelligence gathering of their own. I'm not just trying to second-guess the White House because I disagree with their politics. I'm talking about the American people having a right to know what's happening in their skies, but more so, my question is, why would the Chinese do this? Because one of the great questions is, why wouldn't they just use a spy satellite? What is it about this balloon? Or was this an act of provocation to find out how we would respond? Was it an act of provocation to find out and ascertain what this administration's response would be? I don't know the answer to that. To be 100% honest, those are just the questions that I would be asking if I were in military or intelligence leadership. I would be asking the question, what was the purpose of sending this balloon? We saw the balloon. We knew it was up there. Were they were they now did it become a fact-finding mission where they were asking, I wonder how the U.S. is going to respond to this. It's pretty interesting to me. What we're going to do, um, we're going to go back to the immigration topic because I mentioned this earlier, that our governor has been featured nationally because she is continuing a busing um, a, a busing program where we are busing people out of this out of the country um, and uh, I mean out of the state to other parts of the country and now New York the mayor of New York is now offering free bus tickets to bus migrants out of the city of New York into Canada so you see Democrats major leadership roles that said busing was a horrible thing to do and now they're saying they found a kinder way of doing things and so they've got found a kinder way so well, is that possible we'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments so please stick around